Amen. Go ahead and get in your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. As we have, has been our custom, I'll start out with some of the questions that were turned in. Question number one, I don't want my child to be a leader instead of a follower. Why should we want them to be a leader? Uh, that question goes back to uh, a principle that came up last week when we were talking about diligence. Remember how the diligent will lead and the lazy will not. <laughs> um, I, I think the goal of parenting ought to be to raise our kids to fulfill their potential. I don't uh, agree or like this whole idea. Uh, I'm a preacher. I'm an engineer. Therefore, my child should be that. Uh, I also don't agree with this idea that uh, every generation ought to have more and, and, and be more successful than, than the previous generation. I, I think it's a very unhealthy thought process. You, you know, quite frankly, you know, people have different levels of potential. Your children will have different potentials. It's a foolish philosophy of socialists and communists and ding-dongs in our, uh, in our world to think that they can do something that would give equality of results. I mean, understand that in the same home, in the same gene pool, you cannot get equality of results. And so it's foolish in society. But our goal as parents ought to be to raise our kids to find and fulfill their potential, whatever that is. If that's to do greater things than we did, so be it. If that's to do uh, things that are, quote, we might consider lesser th than us, so, so be it. Uh, we ought to seek to raise, get them to, raise it, to reach their potential. And, and by the way, everybody in one way or another is a leader and a follower at different times. You know, listen, if you're raising your children just to be followers, understand they will be ill-prepared to lead their home. If you have a boy, uh, mathematically speaking, it's very likely he needs to grow up to be a man to lead his home. If you have a daughter, I mean, mathematically speaking, it's very likely that she will grow up to be a mom and is going to have to lead as a parent. And so this whole idea, I don't want my child to be leaders... Uh, you know, silliness, silliness. Seek to get them to reach their potential. And understand this, if you don't raise your child to be diligent, they will never reach their potential. And if you allow your child to build laziness into their character, it will hurt them all their life. All their life. Uh, question number two, how do you help your child with a weight problem? without hurting their feelings or having a bad view of themselves. Uh, I mean, some people naturally put on weight more than others, and others are overweight purely because they have a terrible diet and a lack of exercise. Uh, if your child is more than seven or eight, chances are they're aware of the problem without you uh, bringing it up. I think one of the worst things you can do as a parent in cases like that is just sort of act like their peers act and constantly browbeat them about that. I don't think that's healthy for them. Uh, I think, like I said before, we ought to seek to build our children's view of themselves first on how God views them and secondly in the content of their character because God always views them highly and their character is 100% under their control. 
even with all of that, though, understand, nearly everybody has a bad body image. Uh, <laughs> nearly everybody. And that's because our standard of comparison are people who are young and in Hollywood who have nothing better to do after being selected from the most attractive from among humanity have nothing better to do than to take care of themselves. And, and so we don't need to, fee, to, to, to fuel into that. Teach your child to be the best them they can be. Uh, I would first, I would start with making sure you have a healthy diet at home. Uh, I would secondly uh, continue with making sure that you serve healthy portions. Uh, I would thirdly make sure that your child sees you doing the best you can under your circumstances. You know, I kind of view that as like a parent who smokes uh, telling their kid don't smoke. You know what, if you want your kid to eat better, eat better yourself. That being said, I mean, listen, uh, God designed some people they are going to be bigger. All we can do is help them uh, deal with it as best as possible, and uh, I, I would do that. I, the, the other thing I would never do is, is constantly, uh, either myself or them, go on what I will call crazy diets and put them on this binge purge mentality. I, I think that's very unhealthy. Uh, just to eat well, uh, stay active, and be okay with yourself, uh, whatever that produces. Uh, it's always easier said than done, but it's true. Question number three. Uh, this was just a comment, I guess. Helping on cleaning crew is a great way to teach diligence and service to the Lord. Uh, it's not really a question, but I agree. <laughs> uh, when, our, when we were raising our boys, pretty much anything that we did that was in service at the church or whatever at, at the home, we took our kids with us, and we just made them do age-appropriate uh, things. I, I think that is... Uh, good and I recommend that for everybody question four can you push too much work and chores on your children to make them hate work or become a workaholic uh, <laughs> you probably can but I don't really think very many people are anywhere close to that line with their kids I mean especially in the city you, you, you know again like where I grew up because th this all stems from last week talking about diligence where, where I grew up you just, you basically, you got up early in the morning, uh, you had breakfast, you left the house, you worked till lunch, at lunchtime you came home, uh, and then you went back out and you worked until dinner time. It, 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 it didn't hurt anybody. Uh, and, and so what I would just, you know, say that uh, if you teach your children balance, remember, if you've taught them to highly value work, like we talked about last week, to highly value enjoying life, and you've taught them to value family and church and the things of God, you, you know, if they become a workaholic or lazy, it's not your fault. And uh, balance, <laughs> balance. Uh, I have this sentence. Never forget that the vast majority of people are more naturally lazy than diligent. So it is much easier to underdo working your child than it is to overdo working them. Um, question number five, I have horrible social skills. How can I make sure my children have great social skills? Uh, if you have horrible social skills at this point in your life as an adult, it is at least, uh, at least in large part because you choose to be that way. You know, social skills, by and large, they're learned behavior. 
Uh, and it is simply learning how Jesus taught us to think about other people, how he taught us to treat other people, and applying those things. You do that, and you will have decent social skills. I get it. Some people are more naturally warm. Some people are more naturally outgoing. Uh, I don't debate that. I'm just saying, by and large, social skills are learned behavior. And so if you have terrible social skills, your expectation that your child is going to have great ones is unrealistic. Work on them yourself. Keep pe them as much as possible around people with good social skills, and that will always help them. Uh, but like it or not, they will learn social skills first from you. Um, question number six. At what age did you stop telling your older kids when to go to bed. Um, it is just as important to learn to go to bed as it is to learn to get up out of bed. In fact, if our children uh, don't learn to go to bed, it's much more difficult and unlikely that they'll ever learn how to get up. And getting up early is a part of being diligent. It's a, a biblical example that's set multiple times uh, in the scriptures and taught to us in principle multiple times uh, as well. Uh, in our particular house, like I told you, uh, we made everybody get up uh, even during the summer uh, on weekdays, uh, no later than 8.30 and 9 o'clock on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, and then obviously during the school year they got up a lot earlier during the week uh, our thing was basically this if you get up out of bed when you're supposed to get up out of bed and you're not some grouch when you get up out of bed you know what I I'm not that concerned about when you went to bed I'm really not I mean why, why would you for listen there, there's some kids and it might seem strange to you there's some kids and they are perfectly healthy content and alert mentally sleeping six or seven hours kids well, why are you going to make that kid sleep nine or ten hours you know even if you let your kid make your kid get out of bed at nine on Saturday and Sunday which I think is a good thing if they went to bed at midnight or one they're still going to get plenty of sleep uh, quit making sleep a god all right, there's a certain amount you need to get to stay healthy. Uh, do everything you can to help your kids get it. But in my particular mind, uh, you know, when you get up well, uh, I'm not that concerned whether you stayed up. Uh, by the way, and when it comes to being outside the house, uh, there's nothing good that goes on after midnight. Nothing. Uh, in our particular case, we had uh, college students uh, in our house. Uh, up until they were 23, 24, 25 years old. Uh, hey, as long as you're in the house, there's some rules. If you don't want to keep the rules, go somewhere else. Our rules weren't the same when you were 23 or 24 as they were when you were 17 or as they were when you were 8 or 9. But, but listen, there's some, certain, there's some certain things you should keep. And one of them uh, is don't wake Dad up. Um, question... Is that not true? I, I, they, we always had people over at our house. Everybody hung out at our house. It would not be uncommon on Friday or Saturday me to go downstairs and there be, uh, in addition to our three boys, three, four, five other people there. And uh, I don't care. Uh, when I go to bed, don't wake me up. Because if you wake me up at 1, I'm getting you up at 5. 
Is that not accurate? Yeah. There's a lot to be said for you as a parent just getting some old-fashioned guts. There really is. And uh, question number eight, how do I teach my child compassion on the handicapped and understanding uh, for those who have a different religion? Uh, The first thing I would say is model that yourself. You know, your children hear all the random comments you make about those who are a different race than you. They hear all the random uh, things you say under your breath about people with other, from other religions. They hear and see all that stuff. And, and so, like so many, many things, if you want your children to be better at that, be better at it yourself. I also think it really helps your kids to, uh, to be around people who are different from them. Uh, take your kids to nursing homes at Christmas Carol. Uh, by the way, one of the ways as a parent I felt like uh, I knew what the Lord wanted for Caleb was uh, the compassion he had on old people even when he was 16. Listen, most 16-year-olds could give a hoot less about somebody who's 75 or 80. I, he was never like that. And so I thought, and I think rightfully so, uh, you know what, the Lord is leading him in some way to geriatric care. There are so many things. Listen, whatever it is your kid is supposed to do in life, they will have some interest in it. They will have some gifts in it. You want to help them fulfill God's plan for their life, be fulfilled as a human being? Watch for how God has gifted them. Watch where their interests are in productive areas of life. And, um, you know, if you have your children around some people who are different from them, you know what, they will naturally, if they're saved, have some kind of compassion. And by the way, everybody doesn't have the same amount of compassion. If they have an extra dose of compassion on the handicapped or the elderly or children, listen, be open to the fact that maybe God is leading them in, in, in some way to help those groups of people. Um, like so many things, just don't live under a rock. And uh, you, you'll help yourself and in, in your, in your children. You say, Brother Wally, as a Christian, you're supposed to be separate. Yes. Separate and isolated are, are not the same things. Um, some interesting but not always serious quotes. Uh, number one, there are times when parenting seems like nothing but feeding the mouth that bites you. Uh, uh, here's a second uh, interesting but not always serious quote. Don't be discouraged if your children reject your advice. Years later, they will offer it to their own children. Uh, what is that insurance commercial that we like, Sherry, where they're becoming my, I'm becoming my parents? I, I love that commercial, and there, there's just a lot of truth to that. You, you know, you just need to hang in there and do what's right. And uh, you'll be surprised what is sticking even though at that time it seems like they're Teflon. Uh, Some thoughts to ponder about parenting. Number one, teach your children the importance of hard work in the home, church, and in life. Uh, Hard work is part of godliness. Number two, uh, put as much or more effort into building a relationship with your child as you put in establishing yourself as their authority. I, I, I cannot emphasize this enough. Put effort in your relationship. You will not, if you're consistent, it is probably impossible for you to be too tough on your kids if you balance that with relationship with you. 
number three, uh, many bad habits adults struggle to break would not be there if their parents would not have allowed that habit to start. I'm going to just let that sink in a, a little bit. I would to God that every parent understood they were raising somebody's husband and somebody's wife. I would to God we thought like that. And uh, there's not a person here who doesn't know how hard it is to combine two lives in marriage. There's not anybody here that doesn't know how hard that is. Listen, we're going to make that process more difficult or less difficult by the way we handle them. Uh, Today we're in week 14. Just one more week to go. You say, good, I'm sick of parenting stuff. Uh, One more week, and then the first Sunday in January, uh, we'll be back in our normal mode. If you don't have an adult Bible class, I hope you'll come to this one. I do teach a young couples class. Uh, It will be in in here. And if you have uh, a different adult Bible class, I would encourage you to go uh, back to that. All our teachers do a good job. And uh, as I've told you all the time, I don't have all the answers. I'm just somebody who's been through a lot. I'm somebody who reads a lot on this subject. I'm somebody who ends up in a lot of counseling situations. Uh, I, uh, I want to help you. Uh, whenever I use personal examples, please don't think for a moment that means that I was a perfect parent or Sharon and I handled everything right or never had any trouble. Listen, these Bible principles and life principles, they're very clear. Applying them to real life is messy. You know, life is a lot more difficult than sitting in a room and saying, yeah, I'm going to do this. And, and so uh, just do the best you can to learn these and apply them. We've been talking now for four weeks. This is our fifth and, uh, week, uh, and we'll close out in that and move on to something different uh, for our last week next week. But we're talking about building character uh, in our children. These lessons, they're for us as well as our children because character makes a big difference in life. It is learned behavior. It is different from talent. It is different from faith. It is different from a spiritual gift or a natural gift. Character is learned behavior. Behavior. You should be in your Bible in Matthew chapter 6. And we're just talking about character attributes to uh, teach our children. Here's number one. Teach them how to manage their money. Teach them how to manage their money. Don't hold your hand up. But if you started out adult life as a poor money manager, if I ask you to lift your hand, there will be a lot of hands that came up in here. Uh, That's because this is an area of raising children and teenagers is very often neglected, especially in the church how to manage their money. Uh, a couple Bible principles, and then we'll apply them. Matthew 6, 24. Notice what Jesus says. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. And by the way, if you don't know what mammon is, just circle that little word, put a little line over your margin, and write the word riches. You cannot serve God and Mammon, you cannot serve God and riches. You just cannot do it. Uh, If money is on the throne of your life, then God cannot be in the throne of your life. If God is on the throne of your life, then money will not be in the throne of your life. You you can't, it's an unchangeable principle. Turn up to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're just laying a couple of principles as we begin to think about this idea 
of teaching our children to manage their money. By the way, how can you teach them to manage their money if you don't know what the goals are? What does it mean to manage your money well? I can afford both of my car leases. I can afford my... Never, no. <laughs> no. First uh, Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. says, But they that will be rich... Notice what happens if your desire is to be rich. Fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after. Notice what happens if their desire is too strongly for money. It says they have erred from the faith. means they leave their Christianity behind or sound Christianity behind. And notice the second thing. Pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Nobody here wants a child whose life is characterized by sadness. Nobody here who's a Christian wants your child to abandon the faith, biblical Christianity. Listen, love and money will do that. Uh, it's a Bible principle. Go back in your Bible to Proverbs 22. We won't in the interest of time, but if we were to turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we would see that Paul taught that the more... Uh, bountifully we give, the more bountifully we will receive. It's a biblical principle for managing your money. The more generously you give, the more bountifully you receive. Now, by the way, we don't give so that we bountifully receive. We give because it's a reflection of a generous heart. And God chooses to bountifully bless those who generously give. Notice this principle in Proverbs 22 and verse 7. The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. If that second half of that proverb isn't underlined or highlighted in your Bible, it ought to be. It is one of the most basic, important, how do I handle my money principles. The borrower is servant to the lender. If you ever read any of Dave Ramsey's stuff, you will hear this verse repeated over and over and over and over and over again. I don't think Dave Ramsey is a good person to go to for spiritual advice, but if you want to learn about how to manage your money, uh, it's a good resource. It's why we have uh, his books in, in our Bible. So notice the principle, the less debt, the better. The less debt, the better. Let me ask you, are you practicing and teaching these principles? Uh, which brings up a good question. When should I start teaching these to my children? Uh, how about as soon as they get any spending money? <laughs> Listen, there's people in this room, and you literally spent years of your adult life applying these principles to get this stuff under control and it cost you all kinds of woe in your marriage woe in your credit scores it cost you uh, it, by the way if you have a bad credit score you are always going to get bad loans and it all stems back to not learning and applying these principles when you were younger and you had to learn them later and you paid for it do you want that for your children teach them how to manage their money did you know the average American with credit card debt owes $13,000 in credit cards? 
Now, I know some people don't have them, and some people, like Sharon and I have them, we pay them off every month, and we, we want the 2% free money you, you get, which is a wonderful thing. But the average person who has credit card debt, they owe $13,000, and one-third of them pay over 20% in interest on that credit card. The average American person with credit card debt pays the first $217 of their credit card bills just to interest every month. If you think that's all non-Christian people, you have your head in the sand. The borrower is servant to the lender. We need to teach our children the purpose and place and for money. Money is important to everyone. You say, well, money doesn't matter to me. Oh, be quiet. You, you, you don't mean that. L -l Listen, uh, the church needs money. Ministry needs money. Families need money. Uh, you need money. Money is like oxygen. I mean, everybody needs some. Your kids need money. Money isn't bad. It's a great servant and a terrible master. Uh, and we spent quite a bit of time when we began talking about uh, our character with self-control. Do you remember talking about that? One of the most important areas to learn self-control is in managing our money. Say, Brother Wally, how can I teach my children to manage their money well, to build character in this area of their life? Uh, here's the first thing. Let them see a good example in you handling your money. Do you have a budget? Is your credit card debt under control? Are you a servant because of all the car debt you have? I've counseled people who are getting married and, and bumped into people who have a car loan that was over 20% interest. Think about that. Say, so, I've got that. <laughs> that is not good. How can I teach my children to manage uh, their money well? Here's the second thing. Give them an age-appropriate means to earn some money. By the way, they can't manage their money well unless they have any money. So you've got to give them a means to earn some. By the way, I suggest that you give them an allowance that's linked in some way to schoolwork and grades and chores. Please don't hear me say that I think you should pay your kids for everything. I do not think you should pay your kids for everything. I think you should pay your kids for some things. I think you need to teach them that some things they do because they get to eat there, they have a roof over their bed, and they have a bed to sleep in. That's a part of their being a part of the family. But there's other things that they uh, do because you're trying to teach them to manage their money that you should pay them in an age-appropriate way for. Say, well, I just gave my five-year-old a $20 a week allowance. <laughs> Why? Uh, here's the next thing I have. Teach them to tithe from the very first money they make and explain why. By the way, please don't be one of those parents who when you sit your young child down to teach them about why you tithe, or don't tell them, listen, if you don't give God his tenth, he'll get that from you somewhere or another. Or don't do that. 
Say, Brother Wally, do you believe that God will get that from you somewhere or another? Yeah, you're either going to give your tithes or you're going to pay them. But I think you ought to teach your children to give their tithe because God gave them the strength, the opportunity, and ability to work. That, that's what you teach them. So I'm going to teach my kid to tithe that because that's robbing God. You know, I agree. But why are you teaching? Why are you warping the image of God? Why don't you present both halves? Uh, here's the next thing I have. Make sure they go without some things that they want. <laughs> that is a healthy part of every adult life. Make sure they go without some things that they want. One of the worst things you will ever do for your children is just give them everything they want. Uh, how can I say this in a nice way? If you are someone who has a fair amount of means in your life, you are going to ruin especially your daughters in this. Because by and large, a man, especially a young man, is not going to be able to equal the lifestyle that you have earned over 30 years. And what's going to happen is you're going to inadvertently teach her to be very unhappy with her husband and her, her husband doing the best he can. P please be careful. Um, don't let their grandparents buy them everything they want. If their grandparents are buying them everything they want, you need to, uh, let's see a good word, get tough. Sit down privately and talk to them and say, please don't do this. And if they keep doing it, say, listen, if you continue to do this, I want you to understand everything you give them from this point on, I'm going to give directly to Goodwill. Now, if you want to donate to Goodwill, feel free, but understand that I am not going to let them, I'm not going to let you do this. Say, Brother Wally, you should be like that. Hey, you're helping your kids. Do, do you want to parent your kids? You're going to have to get some guts. Um, make them save some money. Uh, by the time they're seven or eight, you ought to go with them to the bank, open a bank account, and make them save some money. I don't remember what percentage I made you guys save. It used to really frost my mug. My mom used to make me save 50%. Hated it. But by the time I got to college and had money in my account, I was glad. I didn't make them save that much. It might have been 20% or 25 But make them save something. That is a life skill. There, there's people in here. You don't save any money. And that bad habit started when you were a kid. You live paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. Has that helped you? Why are you doing this? Here's the next thing I have. Use money as a motivator for some things. Profit in itself is not greed. Excessive profit is greed. Desire for money in itself is not greed. Excessive desire for money is greed. By the way, God uses rewards as a motivator. And so it can't be a bad motive. Uh, here's the next thing I have. Make them use some of their saved money to pay for big purchases they want. I mean, for instance, if they want a bike, 
help find the bike that they want. Say, wow, that's 300 bucks. You save 150, mom and I will put in 150. You're buying them school shoes. Find the pair that's 70 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever, depending on the age of your kid, and say, listen, this is what mom and I are going to spend on shoes. If you want a better pair of shoes than that, save your money. By, by the way, all you're doing is preparing them for life. Teach your kids how to manage your money. When they get older, help them make a budget. I've sat down with our boys when they were teenagers, and we made a budget. You say, how'd they do it keeping it? Very bad initially. So did they ever get good at, at, at keeping it? You know, once they got older, I stopped watching carefully. At, at some point, the only way they learn is pain. Uh, the next thing I have, talk in general terms about your family finances. Credit cards, vacations, savings, time when money is tight. You're a tithe. Multiple times I told our children, listen, uh, this is the amount of money, uh, pick them up. Our family's living on $60,000 a year. If you like this lifestyle, you better get an education or a skill because you're not going to be able to duplicate this. In most cases, especially if you have two of, two of you working, it's seventy or eighty or $100,000. Your kids need to understand when they get to be teenagers, hey, this is the lifestyle we're leading. This is how much our lifestyle costs. Do you want this kind of a lifestyle, or would you rather live like more poor? There's almost no kids that are saying, yeah, Mom, I, I, really, I would love to live more poor than we're living. Nobody does that. But we don't teach our children perspective, and so their, <laughs> their expectations are wrong. Uh, point out good and bad examples of people handling their money around you. By the way, we did this in everything. Uh, they handled their money that way. How did it work out for them? Bad. Help them. Teach them. Uh, Proverbs 13, this is a life principle that most people won't honestly face, but I didn't write the Bible, I'm just teaching you the Bible. Um, Proverbs 13, 23 says, much tillage, much food, I'm sorry, is in the tillage of the poor, but there is that is destroyed for want of judgment. So what's that mean? means that the fields of the poor actually produce a lot more food than they're able to get out of it because they mishandle what they have. You will always have less mishandling what you have. Teach your kids that. And the last thing I have on teach them to manage their money is teach them to be a giver instead of a taker. And just emphasize with them that people that uh, have more don't owe them more. Now, in, in our particular case, uh, a couple people in Sharon's family, they're pretty big hitters. Uh, one of her brother-in-laws is a mouth reconstruction specialist, and another one of her brothers was the uh, chairman of the, uh, the chief executive officer of Susquehanna Communication, which owned like 50 radio stations, uh, several television stations. He was a president of the National Broadcasters Association. He left the vacation we were at to go have a meeting with 
George Bush and Condoleezza Rice and sat next to Condoleezza Rice. He's a big hitter. Uh, everybody wanted them to get their name in the drawing. You need to make sure you teach your kids that somebody like that does not owe them anything. And that people who are like that, by and large, are like that because they worked hard and they managed what they had well. Teach your children that. Lastly, uh, teach your children integrity is more important than possessions. Proverbs 11, verse 3. And I got behind today because I, cause I did. Proverbs 11, 3. The integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. Notice what integrity does to those who has it, have it. It guides them. Did you know that integrity actually will help you make a lot of different decisions in your life? Doing the right thing, doing the honest thing, being steadfastly adhered at steadfastly adhering to a moral value. Having integrity makes lots of decisions in life. Teach them to have integrity. Teach them they ought not to be for sale at any price. I mean, listen, the Bengals uh, don't want a certain player uh, with bad behavior until they're good enough. Th that's no integrity. The, the government says, uh, some political candidate, they're not going to raise taxes on us, and then they raise tax taxes on businesses, which, of course, gets passed down to us. That's a lack of integrity. By the way, been a lot of lack of integrity in the recent election coverage. And I could talk about that for 30 minutes. If you don't realize there's a lot of lack of integrity that's hurting people, you're not paying attention. Teach your kids to value Integrity. You say, Brother Wally, how can I do that? By the way, uh, having integrity is almost always going to cost you money. Having integrity is almost always going to be inconvenient. How do I teach my kids to have integrity? Obviously, let them see your integrity cost you money and inconvenience. Uh, here's the second thing I have. Make lying a big deal. <laughs> Make lying a big deal. Here's the third thing I have. Make lying about a situation a separate offense when you discipline them. You did this, therefore you received that. You lied about it, therefore in addition to that, you received this for lying. How do I teach them integrity? Uh, make being honest and truthful a reward. You did this, but you were honest with me about it. Therefore, instead of doing that, I'll do that minus this. Because you're honest. Remember this combination of positive and negative uh, reinforcement. Uh, how do I teach my children integrity? Always talk about the value of honesty in their character. Uh, compliment them for their honesty and keeping their word. By the way, compliment them more for their honesty and keeping their word than you compliment them for their looks. I'm not saying don't compliment your children for their looks. Everybody has an image they uh, have to work through and deal with, but compliment them more for their integrity. Listen, they may or may not choose to live with it, but we certainly need to model it and teach it. Uh, Lord willing, uh, next week we're going to close out, and, and next week I want to close out 
kind of like we closed out discipline. We closed out discipline just as if we're sitting across the table from one another and just talking about it. And next week what I want to do is I want to just talk about some basic guidelines and things uh, to try to help you as parents. Uh, Thank you for being here. You should have a piece of paper. Write something on it, fold it, and stick it up here. Uh, God bless you. You're dismissed.